Good evening, Sportzonians. How's everybody doing out there tonight? I am Mike Aglialoro. I am your host for this is Sports Zone. We're recording with you live like we do each and every week here via the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Radio Network. And we got a good show for you tonight. We'll be joined by Dave Hastings and Eric Tressler in a matter of moments here. Of course, we want to thank everybody listening to this, uh, where it will be rebroadcast and redistributed through all our various podcasting outlets. So we thank you for listening to us, whether it is Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. Once again, we thank you for listening to us, no matter how you, you listen to us. And we got a lot to talk about tonight. This is actually the week that the NFL draft goes down. It is this Thursday. Of course, I got that wrong last week, but that's okay. So we're going to go into the draft. We went into it a little bit last week. Obviously, we've been talking a lot about the draft uh, the last month or so and the buildup to it. Right now, what we know, we have Jacksonville going to be taking Trevor Lawrence with the number one pick. The Jets will be taking Zach Wilson with the number two pick. There looks to be as many as five quarterbacks taken within the first 10 to 12 picks of the draft. The Cowboys have the 10th pick in the draft. The Giants have the 11th pick in the draft. Beyond the number two spot, there's a whole lot of intrigue. Who will San Francisco take? Will they take Trey Lance or Mac Jones? Is any of these teams taking quarterback really know what the hell they're doing? Uh, the consensus from us thus far has been no. But we will see what happens with that later. We have baseball to talk about. We have basketball to talk about. And right now, Dave Hastings is with us tonight. Dave, how you doing? I'm doing good, Mike. How about yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad. So as I was saying before you came on, I jumped the gun a little bit last week. But this week, this is the actual week for the <laughs> NFL draft. This, this week. I know I got it wrong, my friend. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, I mean, we talked a lot about it last week, but I know I was listening to Todd McShay on uh, Pardon My Take yesterday. And basically, listen, Trevor Lawrence is good as off the board right now. Zach Wilson, better or for worse, he's off the board right now. The intrigue seems to start with the number three pick, and the San Francisco Giants, it seems like the player personnel side of things is leaning more towards Trey Lance, but Kyle Shanahan wants Mac Jones. Whether or not any of these teams really know what the hell they're doing is anybody's guess. But after that, you know, you that's really, you know, the Falcons got the four pick. I think the Bengals have the five pick. We've heard as many as five teams taking quarterbacks within the first 10 to 12 picks. The Patriots are rumored to move up. The Panthers may be thinking about taking a quarterback for some unknown reason. The Broncos could wind up getting into the mix. What do you think, like, short synopsis, what do you think winds up happening when all is said and done here? Well, I think the first thing is kind of touching on that 49ers situation. Like, in my opinion, I think Trey Lance has more upside. Um, I think there's more you might be able to do with him, but I think Mac Jones is more suited to kind of be ready to go right away. Mm. Uh, and I say that because the way they play offense in San Francisco is, uh, 
pretty identical to the way they play offense in Alabama. So, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, yes, we understand it's going to be a different playbook, different levels of competition, different talent. But like Eric pointed out for us last week, a lot of people aren't even talking about the fact that the numbers Mac Jones put up this year rivaled what Joe Burrow did last year. Yeah. So, you know, I think with the talent that they already have in San Francisco, their ability to draft all in all pretty fucking well. Yep. Um, I really think that I would go Mac Jones over Trey Lance for them where I think other teams I'd go Trey Lance over Mac Jones. Like I think it's more kind of where you're at as an organization and there are only two, you know, two years removed from Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they got talent on that roster. Um, I like that wide receiver born. Uh, he had a really good year, especially as the year moved on. Mm-hmm. Um so, like, to me, it's one of those things where, like, your worst-case scenario is when your head coach and your personnel department can't agree on a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that is not good. You don't want that. No. So, I think that, that's an interesting scenario for San Francisco as a whole going into the draft is, you know, who's really making the decisions? And that, that kind of is your trickle-down effect. So, I think it's interesting to know that, like, they kind of are varying based off of who you talk to inside San Francisco. Mm-hmm. But I, I definitely think uh, if it's me and specifically San Francisco, I'm going Mac Jones, where if I'm a different team, I, I might feel differently and, and say, you know, Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. So. I know um... – and, and again, you know, we've kind of crapped on McShane Kuyper the last few weeks. I don't know how much you want to take this in there. I mean, they are supposedly the ones talking to the general managers and have their sources. So you could take this for what it's worth here. He made it sound like if it came down to personal department versus the head coach, the head coach is the one who's going to have to deal with whatever they decide. So it does sound like they would be willing to concede to the head coach on that one, which, I mean, you have to figure, why wouldn't you do that? The head coach is the one who's got to live with it. The player development ones are just the ones behind the scenes with the analytics and everything like that. The head coach is the guy who's got to actually live with the pick there. Agreed, but every guy's job is on the line if they decide to go with one of these rookie quarterbacks over sticking with Garoppolo and seeing what they can do with him. Yeah, but at least if, if you're the player personnel and the head coach wants that guy. And at the very least, if you go with the head coach on that one and the head coach isn't able to develop him the way he wants to, you can at least be like, well, hey, see, I told you, you should have taken that guy. I only did what you want for team unity and everything like that. He's always got that as a fallback. Chan had to be fucked up. Yeah, well, yeah, I agree. But I, I think it's one of those things where, I mean, I think everybody in the 49ers organization is safe for at least another couple of years just sure. due to the fact sure. that they literally just made a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I definitely would be – if I'm San Francisco, I'm leaning Mac Jones because I think he fits what they do already better. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I want to ask Eric when he comes on here, because I know – when we when Mac Jones's name first came up on this show, it was right after the national championship game, and he had that huge game. And I asked him, 
you know, what was the big knock on Mac Jones? And he made it sound like, oh, it's because he's the prototypical pass. He doesn't really have a lot of speed. If he is able to develop, I'm not saying he's going to develop into like Lamar Jackson as running back or anything like that. But if he's able to develop some sort of scrambling game, I wonder, would that be the thing that kind of puts him over the top? Yeah, but I feel like scrambling kind of, it's either natural for you or it's not, you know? Mm. Like, I don't like, guys can get better with their footwork, sliding in and out, you know, up and down, side to side, like that type of stuff. But the actual ability to get outside the pocket and make something out of nothing that to me is something you either have or you don't have. That's not really, um, how do you say, uh, a teachable thing, in my opinion. Mm. You might be right on that. Lord knows I've been as slow as I've ever been, and I walk all the time when I'm not working. So anyway, um, to keep going here, uh, you know, we go through the first round. The Falcons well, have this. Oh, go ahead. Really quick. I was thinking, well, I don't mean you share our two cents on Sean Lee and his career, because I don't think Eric's going to care to talk about that at all. I saw that meme. I saw the meme he sent, and I just it was funny. I'm not going to deny it. It was funny. Listen, Sean Lee is another guy who I kind of look at in the same light as Tony Romo. We will always think very highly of these guys because we were able to do at their peak Romo, unfortunately, was never really, you know, never he never had the team around him. When he did have the team around him, there would be free things that happened, like the Des Bryant catch that wasn't a catch, but we know it was a catch. With Sean Lee, unfortunately, he just couldn't get through a 16-game season. And it's a shame because we knew what he brought to that defense. He made the defense better just by stepping on the field. Every time. So, yeah, it's a sad day to see him go, but it's, it's probably um, it's probably the right time. Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it was a good call by him for himself to retire. I just hate mm-hmm. that when you look when you look at Sean Lee and what he was able to do and what he brought to the field. It really gets trumped by his injuries. And that sucks, because to me, when you compare them statistically, he was right up there with a Luke Keekley. He was. He just That's a good point. Help. And look, I know a lot of people outside of being a Dallas fan would, would, would not agree with me, and, and that's fine. But getting to watch him play every time he played, he constantly was a playmaker until this last year where that entire defensive unit was just confused and didn't know what they were doing. Um, but not many people realize that game against Philly where Dallas was down 17-3, to Sean Lee gave the speech to the defense about stepping your game up. Dallas only gave up three more points and won by 17. Like, he was a captain to that team. Guys respected him in that locker room. And, and it again, if you compare them statistically and just match up the games, like, and that obviously that's hard to do because you could be picking a stretch where Keekley maybe didn't play that well. Keekley obviously was able to stay healthy for the majority of his career. It wasn't until the last year or so that he played that he started having injury issues. He was 2015. But, yeah. So, like, but when you compare their statistics, they were very similar. And, and look, I'm not trying to say I think Sean Lee was better than Luke Keekley. I'm not no. trying to say that. All I'm trying to say is Sean Lee had that same ability to impact the football game every single Sunday. And, mm. and he did not get the chance for, you know, a lot of 
national recognition because he basically, I think he played one 16 game season, his entire career. Um, you know, so like that, that speaks volume. And, and when it comes down to football, your availability is your number one talent. So, you know, that, that, that sucks for him in his career that he couldn't be able to really kind of put up stats and, and you know, plays to have non Dallas fans look at him that way. Um, but to me, if he stayed healthy his whole career, I, I don't think he would have been a Hall of Famer, but I think he would have been a Ring of Honor guy in, in Dallas. I was just going to ask you if you thought he was a Ring of Honor guy. So I guess I got my answer there. Yeah, All right. I don't think he is right now. I think if he was able to play, you know, give me mm. give me 12 to 14 games every season, and I, I think that, that conversation goes differently. But Fair enough. All right, well, Dave, you, you are aware The Shield is one of my favorite shows of all time. I believe it's one of your favorite shows of all time. For some reason, I don't think Eric Tressler means the show with Vic Mackey, though. So Eric Tressler is here tonight. Eric, how you doing? I definitely don't mean Vic Mackey. And, I mean, you would think it would be like a, a mid-July Tuesday, the way we're opening up with with this cowboy retirement here, um, must be a real slow sports week. No, Eric, we started talking draft, and I'm like, hey, Eric is not going to care to talk about Sean Lee, so I don't mean you get our two cents in so we can get it over and done with before Eric hops in and we waste his time talking about something he has absolutely no interest in talking about. Mm-hmm. So the Sean Lee combo is actually out of respect for you. You're welcome. Ah. <laughs> the Shield is a great show, though I will say that. But anyway, um, Shield was a great show, but nothing stops the Shield. There it and, is. Uh, the we haven't heard that in a few weeks. Coming up, yep. the, the Shield's got a big weekend coming up here at the draft. Yes, it does. Now let me ask you something because we were we were just talking about uh, the Niners. It's kind of been known that they're kind of going back and forth between Trey Lance and Matt Jones. We don't need to talk about the first two picks because we know where they're going. Uh, Trevor Lawrence makes all the sense in the world. The rest of the quarterbacks, not so much. Um, your boy Mac Jones. I had asked there. I had asked Dave this, but I want to ask you too. I know your big knock on Mac Jones has been his lack of mobility and anything like that. But going to a guy like Kyle Shanahan, if they do wind up taking him. Do you think that Shanahan would be able to work with him and help him get over that? And if he does, is that his only real thing stopping him from being a good quarterback in the NFL? Is that the only thing stopping him from being a good quarterback in the NFL? Yeah, because that's what you made it sound to me was his big knock, was just that he's he's got no mobility. So you tell me. Is that the only thing stopping him? The, the no mobility or the no going to Kyle Shanahan. Listen, I just think that it's just going to be, he's not, I, I, I don't know. We're talking about Mac Jones, right? Yes. Yeah, he could wind up. First round pick. He, I know he could go number three overall, but I don't understand people why, why people are saying that. He is not, he, he's, he's good, he's talented, but he's not a franchise guy. You shouldn't be taking him number three overall. And if that's where they're going, Yes, I think Kyle Shanahan can make it work, but I also think that's also because Kyle Shanahan does like to run the ball, so I don't think he'll be in a super pass-heavy offense right off the bat either. So he can make that work, sure, but 
it's not the athleticism. I mean, Mac Jones, like I said, he put up big numbers. He played with good competition against good competition this year with some of the best players around him. And he, he was able to do well with the weapons. And uh, listen, I just, I look at it as they're going to draft him because they need somebody because they don't think Garoppolo is the guy, but I think they're just treading water. I think they're going to get another guy who could come in and probably be similar to what you get out of Garoppolo. So maybe you get a cheaper version of Garoppolo. Maybe that's what they're going for, but I still just don't think that wins a championship. Hmm. And that's why I just don't think you're drafting a guy. If he's not a guy that's going to be a franchise guy that you think can take your team to the promised land. Hmm. All right. Well, let me not number three overall anyway. Hmm. Well, let me switch the question then, because here's the thing we've all agreed Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, and Justin Fields probably should not be taken in the first round. But it looks like all five of them will be taken in the first round. It looks like there's a good chance they get taken in the top 15 picks. So with that being said, of these four who we all think do not deserve to be in the first round, which one do you think, depending on the situation they go, they go into, could wind up being the biggest surprise out of the four of them. Dave, I'll start with you. I want to say Trey Lance. I don't know what it is. I don't like I wouldn't bet money on it, but to give you an answer to your question, I think it's Trey Lance. I just think he has some upside to him that if he can be developed, you really got a shot to make something out of him. That's But the problem is if you're drafting a guy in the top 10, you expect him to start week one. Yeah, that's true. Did I cut out or did Dave cut out? No, no neither. No, we cut out. Both. All right, cool. I All right. Heard, I, just, I, I heard nothing. I heard nothing for a second, so I didn't want to start oh, no, talking. I heard okay. Dave, I heard you. We're all good. All right, cool. <laughs> Eric, you, you, Eric, you go. I'm then. gonna say Mac Jones. I know people may think I'm a homer <laughs> for that, but I'm gonna say Mac Jones. But just because he, I think he could end up going to the best situation. He's gonna go to a team that's gonna, I, I think, work well with. I, I don't know. I. I like the opportunities that he has available to him. Trey Lance, I just don't think he's started enough, even in college. Um, If I'm not mistaken, Trey Lance didn't even really play this year because of COVID, and they had one game, I think they set up, like, at the end of the year just so he could have, like, a showcase. Or maybe well, that was Zach Wilson. Maybe that was no, Zach no, no. Wilson. It it was or, no. It it was it was Trey Lance. I actually I heard McShay talking about this on part of my take. The last quarterback to be drafted who had a year or less of starting experience was Mitch Trubisky. And we see how that ended up. So I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm just not confident in that. Yeah, Justin Fields, I think if he ends up at the right opportunity, it could absolutely be him, too. Because if he gets drafted by a guy like a Belichick or if he gets drafted somewhere low, you know, lower or if somebody trades up to get him, um, you know, because he slips in the first round. I think some team could get a, a guy who, you know, is going to be serviceable for you and maybe better than that. He, he has a, you know, a, a pretty high ceiling, you know see where it starts and, and go from there. 
So, I mean, it's worth taking a chance on if he, need, if he falls in the right situation. It could absolutely be him, too. So, mm. I mean, I'm going to fall on one of those two guys, either Mac Jones or, or, or Fields. Okay. <clears throat> I, I mean, we can go hypotheticals here. I'll bring one up. What team? Well, you didn't you... give us your opinion, Mike. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I mean, y'all know I probably know the least of these quarterbacks out of all you guys, but I'm going to say I want to I want to take the easy way out and say whichever quarterback goes to San Francisco because at least that quarterback will be able to sit for a year, learn the playbook, be ingratiated in a system, and be able to learn by watching another quarterback play in front of them. I'm not going to take the easy way, way out of here. I do think Mac Jones goes to San Francisco. And I think that that situation where you don't have to start week one and listen, we, we know, know. Did you hear? Did you hear the comments from Shanahan, though? Yeah, but about I mean, what that, is like, it? About, what, like, oh, we don't know who's going to be here next week or whatever. Like he had he's showing zero confidence in Garoppolo. He's showing zero. zero. So. But here's the thing. If you get them both to training camp, I see no reason why you're going to throw that guy in to a situation when you have a guy in Garoppolo who, let's be honest, yeah, he hasn't been anywhere close to what he was. You want to say the Super Bowl season? You want to say back when he was with the Patriots? He hasn't been like that last couple – what was it? It was just last year, right? It was the year before last that they were in the Super Bowl. I don't want to say the wrong thing here. Yeah, no, you're spot on. All right. It it wasn't this past season, the season before. But the thing is, it feels like it's been a while. But the truth is, you invested so much money in Garoppolo. If you're not able to find a taker on a trade, I don't think there's any reasonable way you expect Mac Jones to be starting over Garoppolo or whoever you take to be starting over Garoppolo week one. You're going to give Garoppolo a chance to start the season out. And if he sucks by week four or five, then you're going to make the change, but you're not going to rush whatever rookie you take into that situation. And I think, Dave, I think it was you who just said, you know, you take a quarterback that early, you expect them to start on week one. Well, I mean, we've seen guys not in the top 10, but Patrick Mahomes was the 15th pick in the draft, if I'm not mistaken. He didn't start until week 17 of his rookie season. Aaron Rodgers didn't start until about three or four years into his career. So it's happened before where you take a quarterback in the first round, not necessarily because you need him to start week one, but because you see what could happen later on down the line. And I, that's why didn't, I think the same. Didn't the Packers just do that too, by the way, to Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, Jordan Love. Jordan Love. Love in the first Jordan round Love. with like yeah. the 22nd pick or something. Yeah, when they could have taken a wide receiver that really could have helped them out. But uh, anyway. Yeah, that's, that, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. I have no idea yeah. how that marriage there is still working between him and Rodgers. Yeah. Well, look, I'm curious here. Like, we're talking hypotheticals, right? Like, Mm -hmm. obviously, for all the nonsense and all the talk, like, I don't know about you guys, but I am sick and tired of mock drafts. I'm sick and tired of people talking about the draft. Like, I'm just ready for it to be here. So, how about this as a hypothetical? The 49ers take Mac Jones with the third overall pick and then trade Garoppolo for the Patriots' I think it's 15 or 16 they're at. Trade Garoppolo to the Patriots to get back into the first round to help that defense or get a get one of those wide receivers if they're available. That, well, to me, is a power move by a team that said, hey, we were in the Super Bowl just two, two years ago. 
we only had a shitty year because basically every starter we had got injured for at least three to five weeks. Mm. Like, let's roll with this. Let's really invest and make another run at it for this year. Because that was one of the well, hypotheticals well, I thought of. Why? Oh, can I just ask one question to that hypothetical? Why would Belichick give up a first-round pick for a guy he traded away? Well, he didn't want to trade him away in the first place. He was kind of forced to do it, if you believe the allegations. My my bigger question on that one is, do you really think the Patriots trade away a first-round pick for Garoppolo when they still have Newton for a one-year deal? Like, I think they would rather trade for a young quarterback who can wait a year behind Newton than trade for Garoppolo right now. Like, there was a time... That would have made all the sense in the world, what you just said there, Dave. I don't think it makes sense they have to sign a Newton. I think Newton's nothing more than a body in training camp. Mm. I'm not ready to call him that just yet, but I definitely get why you're saying that. I mean, he definitely didn't prove he was anything more than that last year. Um, what do you say, Eric? I agree. I I think that he is nothing more than than a backup really at this point. I, I I don't know. Maybe he's a bridge guy. If you drafted a guy like Fields that you, you want to start the season with Newton, but you know you're going to end up finishing it with with Fields, I could see something like that maybe. Because um, I, I think Fields could fall down to 15, and I could see Belichick doing that. He needs a franchise quarterback. He needs a young guy under cap control so that he could spend elsewhere on the roster. He, he uh, that that's where I see Belichick possibly going, and if he stays with that pick. Well, I know this mock draft. It, it's funny that you, the mock draft that you texted us with the meme here is a Chris Sims mock draft. I didn't think you'd be giving him any weight, but I know you did it for the erectile dysfunction joke. Uh, this one has Justin Fields dropping all the way to Tampa Bay at thirty-two here. Which, given everything we've heard about these quarterbacks, whether or not we think they're worth it, I, I don't know at this point if any of them drops that low, truthfully. So, I, look, I agree honestly, with that. I don't I'm think sorry, any of them I, drop that low. Go ahead. I think Brady would snap if they use their first-round pick on a, on a quarterback after he yeah. was able to help them bring back every starter from last year. And basically, it's like, guys – why not add more talent to our roster than put in a backup? Because I'm Tom Brady and I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. <laughs> I mean, that's well put. He makes well a lot put. of sense, though. When, you, when, when, when he sits down and he just shows you all the rings and he says, hey, guys, we just did this. We could do it again. Um, how about you guys come back? And he go, they go, well, you know what? I kind of want some more of that jewelry, too. Sure thing. I mean, it's it's an easy choice, in my opinion. And and not to mention, you know, they listen to him. They take the tackle with the fourth, whatever early pick they had last year. They took the tackle. He wanted Antonio Brown. They got him Antonio Brown. He wanted Gronkowski. He got Gronkowski. And then he went out and won the the first Super Bowl the team has even sniffed in 20 years. So why wouldn't you, why would you, why would you do that right now? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I wouldn't do that. All right. Um, 
I tell you what, I'm asking a question here. Where do you guys want to go on this draft here? Because I could go, I could go any way on this one. You guys got anything you want to bring up here? I mean, the news that came out about the third-ranked corner, um, you got Sertan, Horn, and then... Um, Caleb Farley? Farley. The news that came out about him today, about um, his second surgery and how he had, like, an L5 vertebrae that slipped and, uh, you know, ACL in- injury, you know, a little while back. Like, those type of news stories can push a guy... You're talking early second round, and all of a sudden, a team could end up getting a steal with him um, if he's able to stay healthy. It's just, I mean, when your body can't keep up with the college football season, like, it's hard to imagine being able to keep up with an NFL season that's now 17 games in the year instead of 16. Mm. So, I, I hearing that news, I felt bad for the kid because I think that news coming out really lost him a lot of money. Well, not only that, but I actually had heard just a couple days ago. I forget who I was listening to. I don't know if it was if it was Can Bob Bart Scott or, or Chris Canty, one of those guys. But they were talking about how he actually like reminded them of a Cortland Finnegan type player that you would get in in the NFL. That like hard nose, like come in be tough guy. But then you hear those things about about all the injuries, and you makes you wonder. Well, is he really as tough as Maybe I, I don't know how tough he is and if he's if he's as injury prone as this and if this much is coming out. I, I don't know. And he opted out of last season too. So the teams are going off a of 2019 footage with him. So I don't think that helps. No, not I don't think that helps the guy in his position with the injury history. Mm-hmm. But I, I think what, I think I think that's an interesting one. Um, I think the debate in Eric, I don't know how much, like I, I have, I didn't watch really any Penn state football this year. So I, I can't say I have an opinion on the guy, but the linebacker Parsons, like I'm hearing he could go as high as top 10. I'm hearing he could fall to the early twenties. Like, it seems like a lot of people are kind of back and forth with him. Um, and I, I think that's kind of interesting as well, because I know early in the draft process, like people were really high on him and now it's, it seems to be wavering back and forth. So I, I don't know if you had any insights on him. I, I mean, I, I know, Penn, I don't think Penn state and family even play each other. So, um, but yeah, figure that, that one, that's an interesting storyline that I'm coming, that's coming up in the draft mm-hmm. too. Well, I'll be honest, you know who, you know who a big Penn State fan is, because you're right, I I can't speak much Penn State, but I'll be honest, any linebacker coming out of Penn State, um, and that's highly recruited, I'm going to keep an eye on because they, as far as I know, have pretty good linebacker track record, so I wouldn't mind um, a Parsons, I I mean, the, the Giants would never do it, they haven't drafted a linebacker since, I mean, Jesse Armstead probably so I mean I, I I really don't expect the Giants to do but I mean I think anybody would get an interesting player with him and definitely somebody who's going to come in play well but um this really is Schmelrose's team believe it or not out of Canada his favorite favorite American football team is the Penn State Nittany Lions so I just need to throw that out there that if there's one to speak on Parsons, it would probably be Schmelrose. I doubt he's probably in the chat tonight, but if he is. Yeah, he's not he's um, not here tonight. But 
I mean, it would be good to get his opinion um, after he's drafted to see uh, to see what he thinks because, um, yeah, he uh, like I said, they they have a great tracker coming out of Penn State, so I I wouldn't mind the move, mm. uh, but yeah, I think he's pretty deserving probably too if he's getting you know the talk he's getting. Mm. Now I got a question because I heard this the other day that Carolina, who just traded for Sam Darnold is still thinking about taking a quarterback at that eighth spot. And I just think that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Like we talked about, you know, quarterback being able to watch and learn everything. Why are you tra- drafting a young quarterback? And apparently the owner is really hot for the idea because he wants to have the position settled for the next decade rather than the next couple seasons. But you're just bringing in a guy who needs a total rehabilitation given how bad he was fucked in the Jets organization for the last three years. You got him for two years. You have the opportunity to put some weapons around him if you choose to or get him some blocking help, and you're going to spend the pick on a quarterback. Just That that makes no sense to me. Yeah, um, I, I, I wouldn't get that one. With what they I, gave I, up, I would, what actually. They gave up, I would. I no. Yeah. How, what do you mean, no? How do you not get that? If you can get a guy like a Mac Jones to fall to you, I mean, he's going to go in the first round anyway. A lot of other teams are high on him. If you're looking for that franchise guy that you want to take a shot on and this is your year you're going to try to draft a quarterback and do it, then it's not a bad year to start because at least you can give Sam Darnold this year and, you know, let him showcase himself. And if he gets a contract somewhere else after this, great. If he doesn't, you know, at least Mac Jones will have a year to, to learn the system, learn the playbook, get acclimated, and maybe, depending on how the season goes, start towards his back end, if that's the way it works. I mean, he could be that bridge guy. They didn't give up a ton to get him. I mean, so. they gave up three picks over the next two years, plus including a second-round pick next year. Like I get that but it's not again, a first. That to me, picks like they matter. They they gave them to the in the right hands. They them. do, but in the wrong hands, they're wasted. So they 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 get pretty much threw away three picks to bring in Darnold for a year. And again, the picks they threw away weren't first round draft picks. So I mean, I, I don't see the the harm in keeping Darnold for a year. Maybe he's a you know maybe he flashes. Maybe something great happens in that year. If not. It's very easy to move on if things are going south halfway through the year and you're, you know, three and seven to start the year. What's wrong with starting Mac Jones that last seven, seven games? Or maybe it's not Mac Jones. Maybe it's whoever else they're high on. I, I don't know. Um, I can't see them being that high on Trey Lance. Maybe they're that high on fields. Doubtful as well, but maybe. I mean, listen, I think fields – unfairly has taken a little bit more of a knock than he probably should have. Cause I mean, as I told you guys all season long, I thought he was, you know, definitely without a doubt, you know, Trevor Lawrence, but then outside of Trevor Lawrence, it was, you know, Justin Fields in the field. So I, I, I don't know. I, if, if I'm going to be surprised that that to me is going to be the most intriguing thing is how far, Justin Fields falls down the, the draft board. Mm. He's going to well, go in the first round. Somebody's going to take him in the first round. It's going to happen, but I just want to know where. Well, I want to respond real quick to that, and then we'll move off of this. 
I get that you're basing this off of the fact that those picks went to the Jets, who have the worst track record in the NFL when it comes to actual drafting. But you take them out of the equation for the moment. Gave up a decent amount of draft capital for this guy who's going to be completely. Hey, hey, that is part of the equation, though. Now, look at it as if Carolina kept that and they had a competent front office running the thing. You gave up picks that you could have used to help you in the future for a guy who needed a complete rehabilitation after everything he went through. Why wouldn't you use your first round draft pick to give that guy every opportunity to prove that he could be a legitimate quarterback to help your team out? Because if you didn't do that, if you don't do that, you've basically thrown away your draft for the next two years, in my opinion. Dave, what do you say? Yeah, I, Eric, the main reason I don't get it is, is a couple, like kind of several folds. Uh, one being the fact you gave up draft capital to get Sam Darnold. That's one. Two, even if he has a great year, and I'm talking great year, like in the conversation for MVP, there is no way his agent or him would be able to justify you giving him a top two or three quarterback contract. So you're going to get a guy coming off of an MVP-style year at a discount compared to what it might have been. And lastly – when it's all said and done, if Darnold sucks and you got another playmaker, whether it be on offense, defense, you got an offensive lineman, I whatever, you got a guy that is a solid starter with a top 10 pick this year, yet your quarterback sucks, guess what? You're still going to have a top 10 pick next year. Yeah. But, we there, have but all there's so many holes in everything you just said, I, though. There's so many yeah, holes in But there's holes in what you're saying, Even, too. There's going to be holes nobody, in all of this. That's what makes it the no, draft. I mean, there was a lot of ifs and jumping around there. There was, you know. I mean, that's kind of what we uh, do yeah, here, though. We talk about the no, ifs. No, but I mean, that's saying, like, oh, well, the Jets, you know, Mike, you're trying to tell me that the Jets would know what to do with that draft capital. But Dave's trying to tell me. But what if, what if Carolina kept reason. the picks? You're saying Carolina wouldn't know what to do with the picks? Like you're you're basing it you're basing it solely off the fact that those picks went to the Jets and not what they would have meant to a competent front office that has a decent track record of producing talent with those type but of picks. But a competent front office isn't trading for Sam Darnold. Well, that's then not why the people. I trust that, them to take a quarterback with the number eight pick. And remember, also the people evaluating draft talent are not the people making the trades. I'm just saying there's holes in either side of this argument because mm -hmm. you, A, traded for Sam Darnold, and you, <laughs> B, are considering taking one of these quarterbacks. You traded a ham sandwich for Sam Darnold. Or you should have anyway. It would have been better than those. A second picks. and a third round pick means you're supposed to be able to get starters out of the first three rounds of the draft. That's the basis that every team goes into the NFL thinking. And you gave away the opportunity to get two starters for this guy. And now you're going to take away an ability to surround that guy with some talent so he can help your team get back to the playoffs, which you haven't made in about five or six years. I don't think they made it since uh, the Super Bowl run. Where which was, that, was, that was about five years ago. Yes, because I think all of this can still happen. They could still... Draft a Mac Jones. They can still put other pieces around with the rest of the draft from this year. If things don't work out with Darnold, 
They could get off of him, go to go to Mac Jones late in the year, and then if they still suck, know what? They're still going to have that high draft pick next year. But I'm going to tell you what: if you think this year's QB class to my to me is thin, next year is non-existent. I can't name you a quarterback coming out next year, not one off the top of my head. And yeah, I'm a guy who watches by, college by the football. End of the year, there's going to be three to five more that people are saying, oh, this guy's going. But again, I am Dave, I'm telling you, you every year, Amel Kuyper and Todd McShay, they get paid to hype these guys up. That's what the job is. That's what they do. It's like you're going to get the hype train every year. But again, it has to be evaluation of talent. And I'm telling you, the talent isn't in the pipeline next year. Well, technically, talent I, I is. I promise the- you. I can promise you, if I think there is one franchise quarterback in this year's class, right now I am telling you there is zero franchise quarterbacks in next year's class. So if you think that for, that maybe you can get a franchise quarterback out of Mac Jones, which I think he's going to be a solid NFL quarterback, I just don't know if he's ever going to be truly tremendous. I think the same about Joe Burrow, though. I don't know if Joe Burrow is ever going to be a tremendous quarterback in the NFL. I think he's going to be a really good quarterback in the NFL. I think Mac Jones could be similar. I think Justin Fields has a ton of upside. But again, I think it's more of a question mark with him. I I don't have much confidence in Trey Lance. But again, I haven't seen much of Trey Lance, so I could be completely wrong on him. But if you think one of these guys is a franchise quarterback this year, I can promise you. There is zero coming out as of right now next year. So if you are hoping and praying, thinking that you might get something out of Sam Darnold, and if you don't, you'll still get a high draft pick next year, the choices you're going to have to choose from are going to be worse than this year's choices. Well, I mean, you may be right on that one, but what I would say is of these four quarterbacks, we've been saying for months that none of them belong in the first round. But you talk about the hype train. You know, some teams buy into the hype train all the time. And the team's bought into a hype train to the point where four quarterbacks who probably should not be going in the first round are probably all going to go in the first round. So I think what Dave is getting at here is that there will be quarterbacks that come around and the team's going to bite on the hype train on that one. There's always quarterback prospects every year on that one. Are they franchise quarterbacks? Probably not. But we have no idea. All we're doing right now is trying to play Nostradamus, your friend. Eric, that's your friend right there. No, so, so, some of us are better at playing it than others, though. <laughs> On that, let's, wow. let's. Yeah, all right, fine. I'll give you that wow. one. That's, I, I, you can have that one. You can have that one. That's fine. Um, anybody got anything else they want to add about the draft this year? Who do you guys think? I, I will end it on this. Who do you think makes the biggest splash? Could be anything at all. Picking a punter in the first round, oh, the really? quarterbacks dropping. If I ever saw that, I would. The quarterbacks dropping. The one of these guys going into the second round. Maybe Waddle gets taken with the two pick over Zach Wilson. What do you guys think would be the biggest shock of the first round? Eric will go with you. Did you just say Waddle over Wilson? I was just. I was just. I just named something that would be a shock. Just that name would, something that, that would be a would, shock. That would shock the world for sure. That would shock mm. the shield. That would that would shake the kid. I was try. I was trying to roll on with shocking things, and that's what popped into my head. I would say that I think the, I think the thing the the thing they'll 
would be most interested is if any of those top five quarterbacks fall out of the first round. That to me is the most interesting. Outside of that, I do want to see where the top three receivers go because I think Chase, Waddle, and Smith are all going to be really good receivers at the next level. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting to see where they end up. Um, Kyle Pitts, another guy I think is going to be interesting. Mm. Um, what I'm just wondering, what is Atlanta still is Mac Jones or uh, Mac Jones or not Mac Jones? Uh, uh, Matt, Matt Ryan. Ryan. Yep. Yeah, they still have Matt Ryan, and they're the it number four. Time, yeah, maybe they go quarterback. I don't know. I think it would be interesting. I think they might have the most interesting top ten pick, Atlanta. I, I don't know how you guys feel, but they could do anything. The top ten. They definitely could shake up the draft in a big way if they went quarterback at four over Kyle. Pitts. No, I mean I think it would shock a lot of people if they went quarterback. But I mean they could go offensive line. They could go. I mean tight end. They can go wide receiver. They they can do anything. I mean I don't know what they're thinking. There's yeah. also rumors they're shopping Julio Jones. I did see yeah, that. Yeah, I heard today. that rumor too. I did hear that today too. Mm. So Dave, really quick, really go quick, ahead. Just, just what Eric Eric pointed out, Atlanta. Like Atlanta to me determines the rest of the top ten. That's yeah, fair. If they take a quarterback, they're going to see teams try to trade up to stop other teams from getting the quarterbacks. If they take the tight end pits, then I think you're going to see what's been the majority of you know, mock drafts, at least in the top 10, like they're the ones to me that set what's going to happen the rest of the top 10. Like San Francisco, yeah, like we all are pretty confident they're taking a quarterback. Why the hell else do you trade up to the three? So I think Atlanta determines how the rest of the top 10 unfolds. Uh, And I mean heavily, like can impact teams that get on the phone and start asking for trades. So uh, I think Atlanta really is going to have a major impact on the top 10. But my first thing that would blow me away is Carolina taking a quarterback. Sorry, I just I, I can't. I just I just can't. But really, like, I more say that to be funny. But really, like, the, the, the one that's going to shock me, and I don't want to say shock, it's just not how I look at how you, how you should build a football team is if the Bengals go with one of the wide receivers instead of instead of taking one of the offensive linemen. Because mm. Joe Burrow, when healthy and being protected, had a hell of a rookie year. But that dude's season got ended way too short. He's coming off of a, a bad knee injury. Like, to me, you took him number one overall last year because you, you believe he can run your franchise for the next 10 to 20 years. You got to protect that man and then worry about getting him weapons. Mm. I got to be honest, the more I think about it, you gave me, I think, Dave, one of my favorite, my favorite thing I'm going to root for now in the draft because it never <laughs> happens. And I don't even know if you know what I'm about to say, but I mean, the more I'm staring at these mock drafts and the more I'm staring at these players, I want Parsons to fall to the Giants at, at 11. I want, I want the Giants to take Parsons. I think mm. that'd be a great pick by them. It'll never happen because they'll never draft a a linebacker in the first round. It's just not what they do. They haven't done it in 20 years. Why would they start now? So I don't see it happening. But I think, like, if he were to fall, but I think he only falls if so many quarterbacks go in the top 10. So you're right. It, it completely falls on what Atlanta does. 
Mm. Yeah, they're, they're going to depict everything. But yeah, that, that those are that that would be the things that popped in my head when it comes down to. I, I know surprise might not be or shock might not be the best word, but just the impact that Atlanta's going to have on the rest of the top ten, and the impact of what Cincinnati chooses to do with that pick and their team moving forward for years to come. Those are the two biggest things you, I think you'll see in the fir- in the first round. Mm. Well, I mean, this may not be a shock just because it's been kind of rumored, but I do think if the Patriots straight up to take a quarterback, that could wind up being a bigger shock. Even though I will say this, the Bengals need to take a tackle with that pick right there. They need to take that tackle who's available because you wide receiver, I mean, you can you, you, didn't I hear uh, McShay say there could be as many as 13, 14 wide receivers taken on day two of the draft? You can get good wide receivers in the second or third round. You look at Mims last year. I know the Bengals ain't the Steelers, but the Steelers wind up doing it all the goddamn time. So you need to take a tackle with that pick. You have to protect your investment right there. Uh, more than likely, Eric, I'm, I'm sorry. I know you think I'm right on this, even though you may not want to admit it. Um, Parsons, if he falls to the Giants, uh, will be taken by the team probably two or three picks after the Giants. Because if you look at the way the Giants have gone, especially the last three or four years, a really good linebacker, edge rusher, whatever you want to call it, is available for them. They pass on him for somebody else who winds up not panning out the way he should. And then that guy that they pass on winds up, winds up having a really big impact the next couple of years. Josh Allen with Jacksonville, uh, the guy that the, uh, Washington got a couple of years ago. And I think there was one guy last year whose name is escaping me. But you know I'm right on that. Uh, but, yeah, I'll go with the Patriots. I think they got the opportunity to uh, really surprise some people if they wind up trading up because you never see Belichick trade up. All right. Does anybody have anything else football-wise they want to add before we move on? The, the only thing else about the draft I want to say is, guys, we're getting old. Uh, Patrick Sertan, Asante uh, II, Asante Samuel Jr., and J.C. Horn, we got to watch all three of their fathers play their entire NFL career. Joe we're Horn getting, was we're, great. We're getting old, guys. Yeah. Joe Horn was great. I like Joe Horn. He doesn't get enough credit. Is he, anyway. a, Hall of, is he a Hall of Famer? Probably not. I never had him on a fantasy team. Oh, so, okay. yeah, it. I never had him on a fantasy team. But, no, I think that was actually before I started playing fantasy. But, no, I liked Joe Horn. Joe Horn was good. Him and... um. He was on the Saints. Was that who was the guy on the Saints? I want to say Aaron Brooks. Was McAllister. But was, no, no, I'm thinking the quarterback. Was it Aaron Brooks? Aaron Brooks so. used to yeah, he used to air it out to him. Yeah, they made some good passes, good highlights. All right. Wow. We'll move to, on that note, let's yeah. uh, keep it moving. Yeah, I'm gonna keep it moving. I'm gonna keep it moving. Let's go to basketball real quick. Um, the Knicks keep rolling. They have the four spot now. They did lose a game, but Eric, remind me, what did that winning streak get up to? Was it really nine games or was it ten games? Nine games, nine games. They lost to the Suns only because of two incredible shots in the closing minute by Chris Paul. The uh, the hall, He will be a Hall of Famer, Chris Paul, by the way. Yeah, he will. Yeah, he will. He's no Paul Pierce. Um, no, he no he isn't. No, he isn't. That's correct. Paul Pierce so first ballot he, Hall of Famer. Yeah, he's not. He's not a Hall of Famer at all. Paul Pierce anyway. first ballot Hall of Famer. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul no, Pierce keep, first ballot. Right, just train. move on. I can do this for hours. Keep train. going. Just keep keep going. Either way, it's nine and one. That's what they are. To Chris Paul, when it, it, it took down the streak, so I mean you can't fault them. They went down to the last minute with a really good sun steam, and came up short by two incredible by shots. So I mean I again I this team's playing unbelievable. Nobody would expect this. They're fighting for the four seed in the East. It's it, it's re- remarkable, and I mean, there's mm-hmm. only ten games left, so I mean, they, and I think they're two games up over the six. So I think they game and a half, game chance. and a half, game and a half. So I mean, they're yeah, they got it might be two in the is it two in the loss column? No, it's one in the loss, two in the win okay. column. Okay. So, uh, but either way, it's you know they're playing really well, and nobody expected this, so. Let's hope it keeps going. Yeah, Tibbs has to be coach of the year. I don't, I don't think there's any question on that. He if has they get to be a home, right? If they get a home playoff series, I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you this. I mean, let's stick with Chris Paul for a second here. How about the impact he's had on the Suns team? Like, Eric, I think it was you who said that you thought he was going to have a pretty good impact with the Suns. I, didn't, I did not think he was going to have the impact on the Suns that he did. And why he's, in, he's, he's, he's a veteran crazy. who knows what he's doing. Yeah, but he's at the end of his career. He's got all the injuries. Like Devin Brooker and stuff. I mean, yeah, he's had injuries, but I mean, that doesn't mean he doesn't know how to lead a team. And I mean, you saw what he did the year before in Oklahoma City. So there was no reason for me to think he wouldn't go to Phoenix with more talent and do even better. I guess I just I didn't see it. I did not see it. I did not think it was going to happen uh, for him. Uh, with Phoenix, I I guess the leadership part cannot be overstated on that, and I think that was more what I was overlooking. I was more looking at the results on the court. Dave, what do you say? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, like you guys are spot on about the Knicks. Um, I won't take anything away from them. I think Thibodeau deserves Coach of the Year. Um, I, I think it really for the Knicks, it's just a matter of finishing strong. You know, obviously you want that um, going into the playoffs with momentum, like that kind of stuff. But, like, I think you have a nice mix of talent and experience. Um, D. Rose is playing great basketball. Um, Like, I just – I definitely think that the Knicks are in a great spot to – I mean, if they can pull off the the four, I mean, you you could be talking about them not only, you know, getting home court, but you – could be talking about them taking a playoff series. And I'm pretty sure if we made that statement, you know, eight months ago, all three of us would have just laughed our asses off and said, hey, you know what? Maybe we should end the show here. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I'm beyond impressed by what they've done and what Thibodeau has been able to do with them. And uh, I can't believe these words are going to come out of my mouth. But all in all, I, I hope it keeps going. Mm. I mean, I've said it a million times. The NBA is better when the Knicks are a relevant team. Let me ask a question, because, Eric, I'm trying to look this up right now. Randall, was next year uh, like a real contract year, or was that an option year? Option, I believe. Okay. So let me ask you something. If if the option, let's say it's a player option, and Randall decides to opt out of the contract right now, because I've been wondering this myself. You know this offseason they're going to try to make some splashy moves. Do you give him the high-priced contract 
that maybe you didn't give anybody else the last couple of years because you got him on a pretty sweet deal a couple of years ago. You know he's not going to want that this time around. Absolutely not. I mean, listen, he's still yeah, he's having a great year, tremendous year. Yes, he, he's doing great things, but at the same time, I, I don't think he deserves a max contract. So, and moving forward, he's still, what, he's in his 30s now? He's at least 30, I think, now, right? Hang on, give me a sec. Um, he's 28, 29. 26, 26. Okay, 26, he's, so a little younger than I thought. 27 in November, 27 in November. Okay, so 27 going into next year, so that's not as old as I thought. But either way, um, if he opts out, if he wants the max contract, I don't think the Knicks are a team that's going to give it to him. If he opts out and wants a deal that's maybe a little bit more money, but still reasonable, um, but still makes him a pretty high-paid guy, I can see them working something out like that, but I, I just don't think he's worth a, ma- a, a max contract. Well, I don't, I don't quite know how much of a difference this is, but it doesn't look like it's an option. It looks like it's a partially guaranteed salary for next season. So I would think that the Knicks get, have the right to guarantee that one. So I don't think he would be there, but I, I don't, I'm not saying he's worth a max contract. What I'm saying is he is as much responsible for the turnaround as a Tom Thibodeau. I know Thibodeau probably had a large hand in making him what he's been able to do this season. I, I'm not saying you give him the max contract, but I don't think you just let him walk. I think you gotta. I think you gotta do something to make him happy and keep him on the team long term. I want to see him on this team long term. Dave, what do you say? I mean, look, if you can keep him on the team long term at, at a at a reasonable spot, like you do it. But I agree, you don't give him the max contract. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see because I, honestly, like at at his age, even with one more year, if he backs this year up with another great year next year. He's going to get a max contract, whether it's from the Knicks or somebody else. Mm. So, I mean, that's that's really when, when decision time. Do so you really think over this out. one year he's getting a max deal? I think he's yeah. got a ba- – if he, I'm sorry, Dave. If he backs it up next year and he's able to stay. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. If you get two years in a row of what he uh, – this year and next year with the same type of performances and statistics – whether it's the Knicks or somebody else, he's going to get a max contract. It's the NBA. The comparison yeah, I'll Mike's, make. Uh, Mike's original co- question, though, was if he opts out this year. So, I mean, I agree with you that I think if he played two full seasons, not missing time, not being hurt, playing at a MVPS caliber level, leading the Knicks to playoff, you know, chances and, you know, home court advantages – then, yeah, I think maybe then he would deserve it. But at this point, one year in, like, to playing this way, because he didn't play this way last year, so we're one for two right now. He's got to back it up again next year. If he does that, then that then that's a different conversation. If he opts out this year and tries to get it now, I'm not giving it to him right now. Well, That, yeah, I, I, that I agree with. The comparison I'll make here, And you're right. He didn't play this way last year. He averaged 19.5 points a game. He had 9.7 boards a game. His shooting's gotten a lot better across the board here. But the comparison I will make is there's another guy who only had one 20-point season and one all-star appearance 
when he went to free agency and he got a max contract, uh, Gordon Hayward. Yeah. And look how well that worked out. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, the ankle injury kind of ruined everything. But I'm just saying, teams have given people a lot more money for a lot less. All right. With that, Dave, I know you got to run. Any final thoughts, brother? Um, honestly, like I said, man, you guys are spot on with the Knicks and Tibbs. Um, and, and honestly, I think. Uh, uh, it, it's hard to root against them when I see Derrick Rose playing as well as he's playing, um, which, which it, it, that burns. That, that, that gives me like heartburn. Just saying. <laughs> um, but no, in, in all seriousness, uh, always love being here. Sorry, I got to hop off early. I got to I got to work call. I got to get on to um, I the joy of my job is I work with people in California. So kind of sets me up for this every now and then. But uh Keep your fingers crossed the call goes well and uh, gets me one step closer to getting a nice commission check. Um, Good luck. And, uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I will definitely uh, chat with you guys next week. Good luck, have buddy. Good- Stay sweaty. Yeah, have a good one, man. Thanks, gentlemen. Later. All right, Dave Hastings, everybody, thank you for joining us. All right, Eric, we, we are going to switch to baseball. And I just turned on ESPN's baseball uh, feed here. I don't know if you saw this, and I'm kind of surprised this happened. I know this was rumored, uh, you know, the Yankees thinking about doing this in the uh, spring training. Mike Talkman has been traded to the San Francisco Giants for left-handed reliever Wandy Peralta and a player to be named later. Wow. I don't like that at all. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. Like I told you, I wanted to do like ideal Yankee lineups, and I actually had Talkman in mind, so that kind of kills it a little bit there. But yeah, he's uh kind of kill kind of kills the lineups. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna suggest him too. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm not the process man at the moment. Um, Yankees did better things this week, so I can't kill them as much this week. They're getting back closer to 500. Um, They've had a good week, but um, a move like this today just has me shaking my head, thinking, "What is the, what's the end game here? Like, what are they trying to do? Because you could have used, you were using Talkman in the outfield right now, so I don't know if that means they're going to try to get Floriel a shot. I don't know if that means like it's uh, Hicks and Gardner and all these guys are not going to last a full season. Hicks is always hurt, you know. I. I don't understand this move. I mean, it solidifies Clint Frazier even more now. But that's unfortunate because I think Talkman did so many good things for the Yankees. It's just unfortunate. So, yeah, it's just kind of depressing news to end the show on or to get close to end the show on. I mean, that's – I'm going to let you go for a minute if you got some uh, – Well, what I was going to – Grants and stuff. No, nah, I mean, do, but... I, I'm, st- I'm still on my I, – I don't really want to use too many superlatives when it comes to the Mets right now. Like, yeah, they got swept by the Cubs last week after Cousin David said that the Mets were doing better than the Yankees. Good job to him. Um, Friday night was a lot of fun. But, look, no, I'll, I'll, I, I want to stick with this Talkman thing for a moment because just what I want to say to kind of follow up what you said, I think – I, I don't even really get this, tell you the truth, like you, because you guys have so I don't few... get it either. I'll be honest. This is you one guys... that I just don't... I can't explain, Mike. I can't explain Cashman's thinking behind this move. Well, let me just say this. I mean, 
lefty bats. You guys have like no lefty bats. Your entire lineup is right-handed. And him, Gardner, and Hicks, who, you know, is a switch hitter, those are the only lefties you guys have. And that's that's one of the biggest problems is you got all those righties back to back to back in the lineup and just yeah. But no, I, I'll get off of that then. Um, all I want to say is, you know, I haven't been able to watch a lot of baseball in recent seasons. Like Dave, I, I do the cord cutting things. So I haven't really been able to watch Mets baseball the last few years. And obviously the last few years, the Mets haven't exactly given me a lot of reason to want to watch Mets baseball. So this season has really been the first time I've been able to watch baseball on a daily basis. And I got to tell you, yeah, I want him to win, but regardless, I'm just I'm just so happy I get to watch baseball again. It's been so long. And the first day I'm watching baseball, you saw that commercial that had um James Earl Jones's voiceover from Field of Dreams. Yeah. I gave me goosebumps, man. I've never seen that movie, but just to hear that speech, it's such a good speech. It just brought me back oh, to when it, I was a kid again. Is. Yeah. Yeah, no, James Earl Jones, he's just got one of those voices, too, man. Yep. He's got, it's iconic. He has an iconic voice. Absolutely. Like nobody else that sounds like him. You know him every time he opens mm -hmm. opens his mouth. So, I mean, it's he's he's special. So, I mean, uh, yeah, it's, that was but that also, the speech. The stuff he was saying about baseball being the most pure thing that has survived all these years and everything. It just it brought me back to a play, brought me back to why I love the sport in the first place. As much as everybody's tried to shit all over it and it God knows Manfred ain't doing the sport any favors. I still just love watching baseball. So that's all I really want to say about the Mets. And Jacob deGrom is the fucking man pitching out of his fucking mind right now and i am worried that now that i am saying this he's going to give up seven runs tomorrow so we're going to stop talking about that let me ask you a question here okay so we got the design uh, we got the double header rule where double headers each game is only seven innings if you pitch a complete game in a seven inning game you still get counted as a complete game if you pitch a shutout in these seven inning games it still counts as a shutout. But Madison Baumgartner pitched a no-hitter on Saturday, I believe it was. And he didn't get credit as a no-hitter for that. The fuck is that? It's a stupid loophole is what that is. Yeah. It's, it doesn't make much sense. That, that's no. something I hope they correct on the back end later for them because, yeah, that doesn't make much sense. So, really like, if, if I, you're... I can't, I can't <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, okay, if you're if you're pitching a regular game and you pitch seven no-hit innings and the game is rained out after seven innings done, you'd still get credit for a no-hitter, but not a game that is regularly scheduled to be seven innings. That game would have to go into extra innings, nine innings, and then it would count as a complete, as a no-hitter. That's just dumb. That's I just couldn't dumb. agree more. Yeah, I agree. All right, it's, I just—it's it's a stupid. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a loophole they didn't think of, or, or something they didn't think of when they did this uh, seven inning doubleheader. Which I got to be honest, I'm still not the biggest fan. I, again, I, I think I just have to I have to get used to it more. Well, you know I'm, what? I'm on board with it. Fully. You you know what? I'm not a fan of. I actually don't have a problem with the seven inning games if you're playing a doubleheader. I actually don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with 
the runners starting on second in extra inning games. If you go into the eighth inning, that is technically extra innings for the doubleheader, the runner starts on second base. I don't, you know, I'm against that rule to begin with, starting in the 10th inning. If you're going to do it in the eighth inning, it's like, dude, all right, if you go into extra innings of a seven inning game, you, you're only going into an inning you would go to in a regular game anyway. So what the fuck are you doing starting the runner on second base in that inning? Wait until the 10th yeah, inning. It is, technically, it is extra innings, though. Okay, Mr. So technical. Now you're now you're doing the technical though. I just want to point that out. <laughs> Captain Technicality had to show up at some point. I'm All saying. right. Uh, well, that's fair, but I'm just saying I don't like that. I, I I that's what pisses me off more than anything. So All right, listen, I, you, you, everybody has their peeps. That's just one you got. Mm, yeah. But you're okay with the uh, runner starting on second base to Not start really. exerting. Uh, no, I don't really love that either. I don't all right. love any of this. You defended that at one point last year when they first I started. I tried that. it because I said you got to try it. Like, and last year was a different year. If you're going to try it, last sure. year's a year to try sure. it. I didn't love it. Okay, good. To me, uh, it's kind of like playing hockey the way they do it over time with the three on three on each side. I, I don't love that either because to me, it's just. I don't know. I know it opens it up more. I know it, it it's you know opens up more scoring opportunities and stuff. I I get the reasoning behind it. I just am not a big fan of it. Listen, I I don't think I'd have a problem with it if they waited until the eleventh or twelfth inning to start doing it. But you started off right on off the bat in the tenth inning. Anything can happen in that 10th inning. When you go into like 11, 12, 13 innings, all right, now you need a little you need a little goose for it. You need a little something for it. I get that. Give them the 10th inning, though, before you start doing it. That's all I'm saying. I, I don't know if that makes a difference. I can to hear you. you on it. I mean, I can hear you on it, but I just, it's not. Yeah. You know, I think we're just going to agree to disagree a little on this one. I listen, I'm fine with them not doing it at all. Your original point, like I'm fine with that too. I'm just yeah. saying, for me, it, for me, it would make it easy easier to digest it if it wasn't right off the bat. That's all I'm saying there. Um, the other thing I want to bring up, baseball wise, so the Oakland A's start off their year losing six straight games, and then they go on an 11 game winning streak. They are currently. <coughs> First in the AL West right now with a 15 and eight record. I believe the winning streak got stopped on Sunday. I want to say. I, I wanted to know if you had any thoughts on that. That's crazy. I can't remember another team starting off 0 and six and then winning 11 straight games. The ass hat division. Um, the ass hat division. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. I had it's, seen uh, that meme a few hours before you um, you put it in the group chat. By the way. Yeah, it's pretty funny though. Yeah, it's a so, good one. It's a good one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that's kind of where I go with it. I mean, that's a, that's a topsy turvy division as is. Oakland's always a scrappy team. Seems to be in it. There's some years they're out, but I mean, for the most part, they're 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 tough. So I mean, yeah, they started the year rough. Since then, have come on strong. I mean, the Yankees could do the same type of thing. Other teams can do the same type of thing. It is still early. Um, it's a good time to figure out your problems now. So, uh, I don't know if they stay there all year, but they have a good chance of it because I think that division is kind of wide open this year. So, 
Um, yeah, I, I think that's going to be one of the more interesting races, the, the AL West. Mm-hmm. And them and the Mariners are currently 1-2 in the division. Angels at 3, Astros at 11-11-4, and the Rangers pulling up the rear at 9-14. So definitely agree with you on that, given what Houston has lost in free agency the last couple of years with Cole and then Springer this year. So, I mean, they still got some talent. Don't get me wrong on that. I think you know that. They, got, they, they definitely got some talent, but if you, want, if you want to take it, this is your time to do it if you can put the team on the field. And then I think the last thing I'll bring up tonight, unless you have something else, uh, the Dodgers-Padres game from Friday night, where I guess Bauer had been kind of flexing on the Padres, pitching the batters with one eye open or something. So Tatis hits a home run off him, and he's kind of mocking Bauer. And neither one of us like Trevor Bauer. But the fact that after the game, I guess they asked him if he was going to retaliate, and he said, I, I – I think what he did was cool. I did it to them. They do it to me. That's the fun of the game. The pitchers you can't handle a batter hitting home run off them. It takes the game out of it. I like that sentiment. No, I'm a, I'm a fan of that sentiment. Uh, you know, I I think pe- players should be able to celebrate. I think a little bit of swag in the game isn't a bad thing. I think it can go too far if it becomes sure, all sure, about sure. that. Sure. You know, we shouldn't be. It's kind of like touchdown dances, how they kind of phase them out. They don't want it, you know, to be about that. And I understand that. So um, if there's a classy way, if you're just doing a bat flip, if you're just, you know, gesturing as you're, you know, when you first hit it and you're like jumping up and down for a quick second as you run down to first base, I'm not going to get too mad at you or call it super showboating, you know. You continually do it or you do it after a single, I might throw at you next time. But I don't think just hitting a home run off a guy deserves uh, or because he might have celebrated or raised his hands or, or yelled or screamed when he hit it, that that's a reason that you need to retaliate. So, um, yeah, I think that there's the level of respect. If you cross that level, then, you know, I think everybody knows that level. And if you cross it, then, you know, but for the most part, I'm uh, – yeah, celebration does not necessarily mean trying to show the pitcher up. So I, I agree with you on that one. And then Bauer ruined it by tweeting out a, a video of, I guess, Tatis looked in uh, the catcher's mitt to catch the signal when he, um, when he hit the, right before he hit the home run. I mean, that's, that's on the catcher for not guarding the signals. Bauer is just going to be Bauer. That's the problem with him. Yeah. That's why you're lucky that no, we don't have him. Yeah, he's gonna do weird shit. He's gonna say weird things. He's gonna get on Twitter and fight with people. He's gonna get on Twitter and do it. Like he's just—he's a liability off the field as much as he is a great pitcher on the field. Yeah, I think it's good though that he's the type that recognizes that because he likes to troll people on Twitter and do all these things. That if it's done to him, he's not gonna be a baby and run away though. So I, I, I like that, even though, yes, I'm, I'm fine with the fact that the Mets don't have it. Do you have anything else you want to bring up, sir? No, that's what I got for you for tonight. I'm just uh, excited for the draft this week, so we'll see how it all pans out. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I'm sure next week we'll be recapping that. Hopefully we're talking about a, a Nick, you know, possible four seed. And, you know, more, hopefully another good week in Yankee baseball. So, so till then, I mean, that's all I got for you. 
Well, I want I want to bring up one thing real quick, if you don't mind. If you want to bring up Mass Singer or something after this, that's fine. But um, A and E biography has been doing uh, wrestler bi- biographies. Uh, I think they're doing it for like the next month. They did uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin last week. They did Rowdy Roddy Piper this week. Have you have you had a chance to see these? I have not. All right. What's it called again? A and E biography. You know, any biographies? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I haven't seen them do any of the rest. Of them yeah, before. yeah. Well, here's the thing. The Austin one, I was so immersed in wrestling during that time period. It did not tell me anything new about Austin. So I liked it. I, I, I Again, I knew everything. So I went into that. I was like, all right, this thing's not going to tell me anything. I don't know. The Piper one. Was I, I found, and again, I liked the Austin one, but I knew everything they were going to say. The Piper one, because Piper was before my time, and I really saw him at the end of his career, the stuff that they went into, because he was like the biggest bad guy in, in the world at that at, uh, in the 80s leading up to the first WrestleMania, and to hear about the stuff he went through when the cameras were, were off, because remember, this was during the time that wrestling wasn't opening the door on kayfabe and wasn't letting the fans in and admitting that it was all scripted and everything. So when Piper would get out of the ring, everybody thought he was that dude. So the stuff he went through as a result of that, it's just, it's just crazy to hear. And you're never going to see pro wrestling be thought of in that vein ever again. So I thought that was a fascinating one to watch. And they got Macho Man Randy Savage coming up this week. And I know they got like four or five more after. If you get a chance, I highly recommend checking those out. They're pretty good. All right. I will definitely take the recommendation. All right. Do you um, – I'll give you I'll give you fair play here. You want to bring up Mass Singer or uh, what, what is it, Pig Dynasty or whatever it was? No, I haven't had a <laughs> chance to watch any more of Pig Royalty yet, although we were – Oh, is that what it was? not – we still have not gotten Disney or uh, not Disney um, Discovery Plus yet, and that's what we need to get. So we have uh, not gotten that yet. But once we do, better believe that as a show, I am going to binge. Um, <laughs> outside of that, um, Matt Singer was um, was all right this week. We're going into semifinals, so uh, excited for Matt Singer. So just to yeah. just to indulge you, who's who's the celebrities that have been revealed thus far? This past week, it was Tamara Mori, uh, Morrison uh, from Tia Tamara, remember? I thought that's where you were going with that. Yeah, yeah Mari. she was one of them. And then uh, Bobby Brown was the other reveal. No shit. Um, over the past few weeks, you've had uh, Sugar Ray himself. Uh, oh, I love uh, I Just Want to Fly. Yeah, he was on there. Um You've had uh, like Kermit the Frog. Was I the saw that. I, that was the premiere. I um, saw that. I yeah. guess Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo was a, was a, a singer on The Masked Singer. Um, I actually got that one right. You know, Danny uh, Trejo just seems like a good dude. I've seen interviews with him. I like Danny Trejo. Yeah, no, he, he was a lot of fun. And it was it was interesting to see him in that kind of role. Um yeah. Yeah, so no, it's uh that, that's like a remember off the top of my head. I know there's a few I'm forgetting, but um yeah, it's just a few. Mm. All right, fair enough. Well, I think that will do it for us here tonight. So thank you everybody for listening on all our podcasting outlets. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. 
For Dave Hastings, Eric Tressler, do you have any final thoughts, sir? As always, stay sweaty, my friend. Stay sweaty, my friend, yes. And I am Mike Agliolaro. Once again, thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see you all next week.